Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from The Hairy Ones Shall Dance, written by Manly Wade Wellman. Book One in a Classic Horror Trilogy. This is the first spellbinding novel in multi-fantasy award winner Manly Wade Wellman's classic horror trilogy about Judge Hilary Pursuivant the jurist so deeply seeped in the lore of deviltry and supernatural evil that no one or thing, not even the most powerful of dark forces, can stand against him. Talbot Wills, a skeptic, gave up his career as a stage magician to study psychic phenomena and once and for all prove or disprove its existence to himself. Learning this, his friend Dr. Otto Zoberg, an expert in occult subjects, brings him to an isolated hamlet to attend a seance at the home of a spirit medium whose powers are legendary. There Talbot meets Susan Gerd, an intelligent and likable young woman, and after an afternoon together finds himself attracted to her. The seance is held that night, and though everyone is handcuffed to someone else, a strange wolf-like shape moves in the dark. When Susan Gerd's father cries out some sort of accusation, the shape leaps upon him and slaughters him. The town constable investigates, and since Wills is a magician and escape artist, arrests him for the crime. Later, while Talbot is locked in jail, an angry mob gathers to lynch him. With his knowledge of locks, Talbot breaks out of his cell and in eluding his pursuers finds himself in the Devil's Croft, a mysterious grove which most locals are afraid to approach. As he enters it, Wills falls, exhausted. What happens next shatters his skepticism for good. Fleeing, Talbot meets Judge Pursuivant, a giant of a man both physically and mentally, and a man with an almost uncanny knowledge of the occult who promises to help him and Susan. Soon Susan and Talbot find their only hope of saving themselves from sudden and frightful death is to battle side by side with Judge Pursuivant against the frightful thing that lives in the Devil's Croft. Thus begins this classic novel of hideous, stark horror from Weird Tales. And now for your listening pleasure. An excerpt from The Hairy Ones Shall Dance. Chapter 1 Why must the burden of proof rest with the spirits? You don't believe in psychic phenomena, said Dr. Otto Sober yet again, because you won't. This with studied kindness, sitting in the most comfortable chair of my hotel room. I, at thirty-four, silently hoped I would have his health and charm at fifty-four. He was so rugged for all his lean length, so well-groomed for all his tweeds and beard and joined eyebrows, so articulate for all his accent. Dr. Zoberg quite apparently liked and admired me, and I felt guilty once more that I did not entirely return the compliment. I know 
that you are a stage magician, he began afresh. I was once. I amended a little sulkily. My early career had brought me considerable money and notice, but after the novelty of show business was worn off, I had never rejoiced in it. Talbato the Mysterious. It had been impressive, but tawdry. Better to be Talbot Wills, lecturer and investigator in the field of exposing fraudulent mediums. For six years I had known Dr. Otto Zoberg, the champion of spiritism and mediumism, as rival and companion. We had first met in debate under the auspices of the Society for Psychical Research in London. I, young enough for enthusiasm but also carelessness, had been badly outthought and outtalked. But afterward, Dr. Zoberg had praised my arguments and my delivery, and had graciously taken me out to a late supper. The following day, there arrived from him a present of helpful books and magazines. Our next platform duel found me in a position to get a little of my own back, and he afterward laughingly congratulated me on turning to account and material he had sent me. After that, we were public foemen and personal inseparables. Just now, we were touring the United States, debating, giving exhibitions, visiting mediums. The night's program, before a Washington audience liberally laced with high officials, had ended in what we agreed was a draw. And here we were, squabbling good-naturedly afterward. Please, doctor, I begged, offering him a cigarette. Save your charges of stubbornness for the theater. He waved my case aside and bit the end from a villainous black she-root. I wouldn't say it here or in public if it weren't true, Talbot. And yet you sneer even at telepathy, and only half believe in mental suggestion. <laughs> you are worse than Houdini. Houdini was absolutely sincere. I almost blaze, for I had known and worshipped that brilliant and kindly prince of conjurers and fraud finders. Ah, to be sure, to be sure nodded Zoberg over his blazing match. I did not say he was not. Yet he refused the proof, the proof that he himself embodied. Dini was a great Mr. Comedian. His power for miracles he did not know himself. I had heard that before, from Conan Doyle as well as Zoberg, but I made no comment. Zoberg continued, Perhaps Sudine was afraid. If anything could frighten so brave and wise a man, it would assuredly come from within. And so he would not even listen to argument. He turned suddenly somber. 
Perhaps he knew best, yeah? But he was stubborn, and so are you. I don't think you can say that of me. I objected once more. The she-root was alight now, and I kindled a cigarette to combat in some degree the gunpowdery fumes. Teeth gleamed amiably through the beard, and Zoberg nodded again in frank delight this time. <laughs> we have hopes of you, Wills. Well, we gave up Houdini. He had never said that before. Not so plainly, at any rate. I smiled back. I've always been willing to be shown. Give me a foolproof, fake-proof, supernormal phenomenon, doctor. Let me convince myself, and I'll come gladly into the spiritist camp. <laughs> so you always say, he exploded, but without genuine wrath. Why must the burden of proof rest with the spirits? How can you prove that they do not live and move and act? Study what Eddington has to say about that. For five years, I reminded him, I have offered a prize of $5,000 to any medium whose spirit miracles I could not duplicate by honest sleight of hand. He gestured with slim fingers, as though to push the words back into me. That proves absolutely nothing, Wills. For all your skill, do you think that sleight of hand can be the only way? Is it even the best way? I've unmasked famous mediums for years at the rate of one a month, I flung back. Unmasked them as the clumsiest of fakes. Because some are dishonest. All are dishonest, he appealed. What specific thing would convince you, my friend? I thought for a moment, gazing at him through the billows of smoke, not a gray hair to him, and I, twenty years his junior, had six or eight at either temple. I went on to admire and even to envy that pointed trowel of beard, the sort of thing that I, a magician, might have cultivated once. Then I made my answer. I'd ask for a materialization, doctor an ectoplasmic apparition, visible and solid to touch, in an empty room with no curtains or closets, all entrances sealed by myself, the medium and witnesses shackled. He started to open his mouth, but I hurried to prevent him. I know what you'll say, that I've seen a number of impressive ectoplasms. So I have. Perhaps... Not one was scientifically and dispassionately controlled. No, doctor, if I'm to be convinced, I must make the conditions and set the stage myself. And if the materialization was a complete success, then it would prove the claim to me, 
to the world. Materializations are the most important question in the whole field. He looked long at me, narrowing his shrewd eyes beneath the dark, single bar of his brows. Yes, he said at length, I hoped you would ask something like this. You did? Yeah, because first, can you spare a day or so? I replied guardedly. Uh, I can, I believe. We have two weeks or more before the New Orleans date. I computed rapidly. Yes, that's December 8th. What have you got up your sleeve, doctor? He grinned once more with a great display of gleaming white teeth and flung out his long arms. My sleeves, as you will observe, are empty, he cried. No trickery, but within five hours of where we sit, five hours by fast automobile, it's a little town. In that town, there is a little medium. No, Wills, you have never seen or heard of her. It is only myself who found her by chance, who studied her long and prayerfully. Come with me, Wills. She will teach you how little you know and how much you can learn. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from The Hairy Ones Shall Dance. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.